Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Double Play Podcast. It's me and Ryan on Zoom today as I've unfortunately tested positive for COVID. But today we're going to be talking about where the success actually comes from in an MLB organization, ranking and discussing whether it comes from the GM, the owner, the players, or the manager, especially after these recent managerial firings that we've seen across the MLB. But anyways, without further ado, let's get into it. So today we're going to be discussing what is the most important part of building a team and how success comes and what it comes from and how these aspects work together. We're kind of going to discuss the owner, the GM, the players themselves, and the manager. And we're going to sort of rank them and discuss what's the most important aspect to a team's success and uh, how they work well with each other. So, Jack, you want to get us right into it? Yeah, where, so- where, where's success coming from? So, well, I think it's it's important to start with where it could possibly be coming from. I think we've narrowed it down to about four spots. You have the owners who reign up top. They're the owners of the team. They kind of circulate the money. They decide who gets what position. The owners are pretty important. Then there's the GM. Then there's the actual manager of the team. And then there's the players. The guys on the field, they produce. But are they the where the success is really coming from? That's kind of what we're going to be deciding. I think we should kick it off by just looking at the top, the owners, because that's really where every sports team starts. Having an important owner or having a good owner is very important to a successful franchise. I'm not saying it's the end all be all, but if you don't have a good owner, you're not going to be able to compete very much. I mean, look at, we've talked about this a ton, the A's, the Reds, the Pirates, all these teams that don't have ownership willing to go out and realistically buy players. Those teams can't compete. So I would say, having a good owner is necessary, but like the difference between having a good owner and a great owner, I'm not sure. I think we can discuss that, like how important an owner really is if the baseline is just having a good one. I think a good owner uh, like can create success, but I don't think a good owner is necessary. And we, we've obviously seen some situations where some bad owners have good teams. And uh, so I think owner wise, I think, it's important, like it could, a, a good owner most certainly can create success, but I don't believe it's necessary and it wouldn't be the most important aspect for me. I'm just thinking, when's the last time we saw a team win a World Series without an owner that would be considered a good owner? Well, now, I mean, like now, we've seen now, teams, now think back. we've seen teams compete without it. Like the Rays, I think, yeah. have transcended their owner's unwillingness to pay money and, and buy players on the free agent market. But other, but they've come up short every time in the world series. I mean, if you think back yeah, to recent I, years, like all the powers have good owners willing to spend the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the giants, the Cardinals, the Astros. But I, I think once you get into October, it's not really on the owners anymore. They've built the team that's got them there or they've built the, they've given the money, the given the GM power, uh, players have performed once you get into October, I think it's less on the owners. And like we saw the A's repeatedly get there, but they just couldn't perform in the playoffs. And I don't think that's necessarily on the owner if they win the whole season and then don't win in the playoffs. And I, I think your, I, your debate I, I, last year with, I mean, even when you debate Dodgers over razor or Dodgers over giants for that fact, it's like the Dodgers just are a better team. They have a better roster and the way that they got 
the better roster than the Giants, the way that they got the Giant or Dodgers got a better roster than the Rays is by having the more talented players and buy and getting them as free agents or being able to go over the luxury tax. So I, I think that like, yeah, yes, that's on, on the on the other side, we've seen the, just this past year, the Dodgers and Giants were the two best teams, uh, both in record and probably on paper as well. They were performing the best, but neither of them made the World Series. And that's I mean, sure, maybe better teams over the long run, if you do it 100 times, maybe they'll come out on top the majority of the time. But in October, anything goes. And I think any team can win. I think the well, the winner of the World Series last year, the Braves are a pretty good example of why having a good GM or a great GM is incredibly important. Um, they were able to make perfect moves at the deadline. Like that's the key to them to their winning success was being able to make moves at the deadline that pushed them over the top in October down the stretch. Um, but also, I think something that Anthopolis does a lot better than a lot of other GMs is really putting good contracts in for his good players. Um, he has Albies and Acuna on absolute steals of deals. I think he got Matt Olson on one earlier this offseason as well. I know dealing Freddie Freeman it, or like having Freddie leave is not what Braves fans wanted, but they got a younger player, maybe for a better price. And they still have Acuna and Albies on world beating deals. So I think that can maybe start our discussion for GM, which is just kind of one step down from the owners. Yeah, I think the GM is very important. Obviously, they they give the contracts, they give the power to the managers, they choose the players, they they build the 26 guys that you're going to see in the dugout on the field. And uh, I, I think it's also important for the owner because the owner chooses who the GM is. So that that's another power that the owner has. But I think like I was I was alluding to it a little bit. I think the GM is very important because they can make up for a poor a poor owner or a, an owner. Maybe not. I want to say poor owner, but maybe an owner who doesn't want to spend as much. And we've seen that with smaller market teams, obviously the Rays, a great GM. They had Andrew Friedman. I can't remember who their GM is now. But uh, I mean, they they do a great job putting together talent, and like you said, Anthopolis putting together those steal of contracts. I think like it's very important for that. You don't want to overpay because I mean, it's not always who has the highest payroll because maybe that means you pay for the wrong players. Like generally, a higher payroll means success in terms of regular season. Like like I said, I still think anything goes in October, but it'll it'll get you there. But I think there's also teams who will pay a lot for the wrong guys. And that's maybe an owner who's willing to spend, but not as good of a GM. So yeah, I think GM is very important. And uh, I think if we look around the teams who have been very successful recently, it all kind of starts with their GM president of baseball operations, whoever, whoever's the guy in charge up in the front office. Yeah, I think you're right. Like a, a GM that knows what the right moves to make are can be just as powerful as an owner willing to shell out his entire pocketbook, like Steve Cohen, like a GM can do, can do it either way. Whether they have money or they, or they don't, a good GM can do both. We've seen uh, Farhan Zaidi, for example, give out contracts um, and uh, turn into good players. And th that makes him a good GM, but he, we've also seen him find cheaper guys. Like look at what Jock Peterson is doing for the giants. Uh, this season, look what he turned Kevin Gosman into a GM can pick and choose, make moves. There's other great ones across the league. I, again, it's really hard. I, I find myself not knowing the names of the MLB ones as much as I do other sports. Uh, I feel like they get more recognition in other sports. Um, but the Brewers, um, I'm trying to think of other teams. I mean, even the Blue Jays of, of recent years, um, the Yankees, obviously the Red Sox, all the powers that, you know, they're run by GMs that know the right moves to make.
and kind of a un unappreciated role of a GM is knowing who to trade and not to trade. Yep. Cause I mean, we talk about giving out the free agents to the right guys, but I mean, look at the Dodgers, for example, obviously I, I know the Dodgers. So like when they were trading like the you Darvish and kind of Machado trades and a few of the year before when they were trying to make big deals, teams were asking for Seager, Bellinger, Lux, they wouldn't give up those guys. And those guys became the cornerstone pieces really of the franchise. And so, and they gave up other guys. I think you look back at the Machado trade. I think none of those guys have panned out really. I think one maybe is in the major leagues. And uh, I don't remember the U Darvish trade as much, but like it also is very important who you give up as well as who you sign in and who you, who you want to keep on your team in your system. And I think that all kind of falls under the GM GM's role. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a lot more stuff that we haven't even mentioned that, that falls under the GM. I mean, when we had um, Ned Coletti on the show, it was, just, it, it was interesting to see just how many things he had his, his hands in. They hire or they oversee a lot of manager hirings. Like they're probably the, the main voice about who a team is going to hire as a manager. And that can, determine the fate of a franchise. Look what's happened to the Phillies since they hired Joe Girardi. They were really right there. If they had hired the right manager, they could have been golden. They hired Joe Girardi. Here they are two plus years later in 40 games into the season and their manager list. Of course, they've won, what is it, six games now since then. But um, that's what can happen if you make the wrong hiring. We talked with with Ned about um, drafting Clayton Kershaw. They have their hands in the draft pool. They're one of the, the main voices about who a team's going to draft. Um, so they've, they handle the scouting department, they handle manager hirings, they handle pretty much all player in and outs in the franchise. Who's on the 40 man roster. Who's on the 26 man roster. Who's getting traded. What's the, what are the deadline moves going to be? So I think the GM has a a very, very good case for being probably the most important piece of a successful organization. Yeah. You mentioned the GM having a big role in hiring the managers and, manager can really make or break a team and that kind of brings us into discussing the managers a little bit and their importance in the in the team and i think for me the managers are important don't get me wrong but i think they're a little less important they're down the totem pole and like we said the gm chooses the 26 guys that are going to be on a roster and the manager just chooses the nine guys that'll be out there at a time and i think i mean you have that less i think managers often go under fire for a team underperforming. But I think I mean, they obviously have some role in that you need to know who to play at the right time. But sometimes it just comes down to maybe your roster just isn't good enough. And like we mentioned after the Joe Girardi firing, like the Phillies, they came to the year, we knew they were going to have good hitting and struggle with pitching and defense. And then when they struggled with pitching and defense, I don't know if that's necessarily on Girardi and more of the whoever constructed the team because we kind of knew that was going to happen. So I think managers are very important in deciding who's on the field and they should take, take fire for some of the decisions that are made. But I think when it's just a whole team underperforming, I think you got to look above that. Yeah. And I think we mentioned general managers. They also, I think have more of a say in lineups than people would guess um, because when GMs go out and they make moves, they, tell a manager, okay, this is where I want this guy playing. This is where I want him hitting in the lineup. This is how many times I want you to play him. I only want him against righties. I don't want him to hit against lefties. Like they, they are the, the little whispering in the manager's ear about that stuff. I mean, you can even go back to Moneyball. I know it's a fictional example from a movie, um, but 
Billy Bean all the time in the manager's ear um, about who he should play. Eventually, when the manager doesn't do it, trades away the player he uh, – blanking on the name. I, do you know who's the player he traded? Uh, it's been it's been a few years since I've seen the movie. I, I don't remember. Was it Pena? I feel like – yeah, it might be Pena. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but the GMs the have, guy. Yeah, have a large – say in lineup so i think managers the biggest thing that managers are the biggest thing that managers are responsible for is just keeping the players in good spirits teaching them specific things um they control the coaching staff so working on swings talking with pitchers and then in-game decisions i think is the most important thing for managers i think that's what separates the good managers from the not so good managers from being able to make the right bullpen decision to intentionally walking a player in a one and two count. Wow. Uh, yeah, that caught me a little off guard that you brought that up. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah. The one thing you mentioned that was kind of underappreciated as well, and like people don't really give enough credit to the managers for, is how important keeping the, uh, keeping the spirits of the clubhouse you mentioned. And I think uh, chemistry is a big role. And we mentioned uh, with the Angels firing uh joe madden that was a big reason i think it was because he, he didn't really have a good relationship with the players and there was kind of a rift there and it wasn't really brought to bring brought to light until they started losing so i think that's a big portion as well and keeping the players just in good spirits and i think the that the players being in good spirits directly influences how the players play on the field and i think their talent's one thing streaks being streaky is another but i think confidence and chemistry in the clubhouse is very important for a team's success as well yeah and i think i want to give managers some credit because the great managers elevate a team tenfold the bad managers can really sink a team i just mentioned or took a dig at tony larusa the white Sox would be so much better if they didn't have him around that being said I don't think that there are many managers that really tank like bad managers. I don't think they tank the level of a team all that much. And I really don't think there's much that great managers can do with bad teams. And I think that's a good segue into the actual players on the field. Cause I know we're not getting into rankings yet. I think the players on the field are more important than the manager. Just I do as well. I, 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 I do as well. I think the players, honestly, the players play is kind of factors how a manager is is viewed and like for example if you mentioned the tony rosa thing if he walks trey turner and muncie comes in and grounds out and ends the inning it's not instead of hitting a three-run homer is it really that much of a bad decision and like i mean obviously we we don't agree with it either way but like that's that's an extreme example he'd be off the hook at least yeah it wouldn't be talked about as such a bad decision because muncie hit the homer it's in the it's in the news I think analytics wise, people like those kind of people that are more wired into baseball will talk about no matter the result, it was a bad decision, but the managers often get judged on their decisions based on the results, which I think we kind of need to separate. Yeah. If a manager brings in a pitcher and he, he gets the save, no big deal. He gets in and blows the save. Then you're like, Oh, why did the manager bring him in? And instead of, I think people look towards the manager as being more important but I think that really the players kind of determine how people view the manager. Yeah, because, I mean, just to bring up two separate scenarios, a manager can bring in the right relief pitcher for the right reasons based on the stat page laid out in front of them 
by the GM, the analytics department. It can be the right move. The player can blow it and people will start to judge the manager saying it's the wrong move or a, play, uh, a manager can bring in the wrong reliever that goes against the statistical reason for the moment. That pitcher can get three outs and the manager will say, look, I made the right move. It just because the results happen, don't make it the right move. I think managers, and this is just, I think my bias towards more analytic managers as opposed to the, the feel managers, if that's what you want to call it. Um, I think we need to separate the actual results on the field from the decisions because the decisions are not made. I don't think the decisions should be judged based on what happens on the field. It should be more based on why did you make that decision based on what you saw? And uh, I, so I think those are two different scenarios where things can go incredible or incredibly differently, but managers would be judged different ways as well. Absolutely. I, I think managers are often, often judged based off outcome. And yeah. obviously there's so many things that, happen if they keep a pitcher in who's maybe getting tired i mean this is just another hypothetical and he he misses a o2 fastball down the middle and and the guy hits a bomb then it's the wrong decision guy whiffs oh good job keeping him in for another batter yeah so i mean there's just it's just so result oriented the way people are judged and uh yeah I, i get the feeling though that we're kind of going to have the same ranking for these. I, th- so, I think uh, I have a good idea. I mean, to, to finish on that manager one, Kevin Cash is considered widely to be the best manager in baseball, yet everyone judges him for pulling Blake Snell in the World Series. Realistically, that was the right decision. Based on all of the stats about Blake Snell seeing the third time through a lineup, that was the right decision. And we've seen it with Blake Snell for the rest of his career. He just can't really pitch through the third time in a lineup. If the Red Sox, if the Rays went on to, to win that game, everyone would be talking about how, how you know, the ball's on Kevin Cash. He was able to pull um, his, his Cy Young Award pitcher the third time through the lineup. He's so smart. They don't, and he's judged for it. And realistically, I think it was the right decision. And I think that's kind of can show you uh, the swings that managers can go through if they're judged on results. But I think that's kind of, I mean, I'm going to get on a little uh, tangent here, but there's also, a difference between managing a game and using the analytics to manage a game. And I think there needs to be a balance in between because yes, uh, yes, maybe the stats weren't good the third time through the order, but you also have to judge off the feel of the game and not stats alone. And Blake Snell, in all honesty, he was dominating the Dodgers that game. I think they had maybe two or three hits through six innings, whatever, whenever the, I think he got pulled in the sixth through five plus and, and they honestly were not looking good. And I think Mookie came up that that's who he got pulled. The reliever came in to face Mookie who ended up hitting a double, which scored the runs. But I think in the first two at bats, I think Mookie was over two with two strikeouts. And frankly, he looks silly. So I think the manager also has to use analytics, but I don't think you, ha- you would go over because using analytics can also end up being a fault. That's that's at least my opinion on managing. Yeah, I think that analytics are there, like actual numbers. And if you're going to use them, I think you should stick to them. Um, because, well, well, if you just did off did off analytics, then the manager doesn't matter. And anyone can do it. Like, okay, this situation, like, I'll go I'll go manage any team right now. Okay, the number says this. Well, I think that's, I think for on-field decisions, 
I think use analytics. That doesn't mean that. Yeah, you you manager- have to use analytics, but your decision shouldn't be analytics. If that makes sense. I I, I honestly disagree. Like, there's I think a slight difference because we've talked about that managers have so many other jobs. Like that's why you and I can't just go be a manager. We don't know how to run a coaching staff, um, facilitate bullpens and cage work and motivate players and keep the, the spirits up in a dugout. But when it comes to on-field decisions, I think analytics should be used the majority of the time. And this is like, it's, I think it's all personal preference and GM preference. That's why they're in charge of hiring. It's who they want to bring in. But if you're going to use analytics, I think it should be used wholly. Like there's no reason to use it only partially because then you're not getting the most out of it. You can, of course, it's not going to work out a hundred percent of the time, but if you stick to it, it will work out in your favor over time. Like that's why if you, you know, if, if that's why it's 162 game season, if it, if it doesn't work in one, Oh, as the course of the season goes on, you will win more games than you will lose. And I think that's why you just have to be patient with it. And I think that's the good managers are able to be patient with it. They trust the numbers because that's what they are. I mean, that that's, I mean, yeah, like you said, they correct the over time, but also every game is unique. And like I said, Blake Snell was dominating. So maybe on, on a stuff on a night where he doesn't have his best, like he's pitching good, but he doesn't have his best stuff. Then sure. You go with the analytics. He's not going to do well this third time. They're going to pick it up. He's cause he's not really doing that well. They're just, they're, they're just missing, but he was dominating. Like they cannot touch him. And and I, th- I think that's a situation where, where you needed to use the feel of the game and see that they weren't touching him. So I think, I think, I, I, I think he should have stayed in that, that specific instance. Well, I mean, then you raise the same thing about Larusa yesterday, Larusa. Well, you know, Trey Turner, he's been on a pretty big hot streak. Max Muncy, he's just coming up from the minors. So they walk Trey Turner and Muncy has a three run homer, but you look at the numbers at a one and two count in his career, Trey Turner has got a 608 OPS and Muncy has an OPS over 860 in his career against lefties. It's like, I think you run into yeah, stuff you, either way. So, but there, there's also, I'm not, I'm not defending the decision. I'm just reasoning, but, but it, I mean, you, Muncy is also hitting like 102 against lefties this season. Well, he hasn't had, he hasn't had as many at bats. I think you correct to the, and on a sample size that small, I'd rather result to the career average. I, I, but I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's all about what have you done lately and not the, the career as a whole when you're managing game. Cause if a guy's, that's why he gave up a three run Homer. If, if, if a guy's over his last 60, but he's a career 300 hitter. I, I think the, what, what, what ha- has happened recently is more important than the career. Well, okay. It wasn't even recently though. That was the beginning of the season while he was still injured. And now he's back from injury off the, I'm just saying, like, I, I think th- it can go either way is what I'm saying. So I'd rather the numbers be wrong because they won't be wrong as often as I think managers would be wrong based on feel. So if you stick to the numbers for the most part, if not all the time, I think you're going to end up with a better result than if you play that, like, each game is different. I can be the hero in this situation. I'm going to go against the numbers and just use my feel which I think most, like, I don't think there are many managers. Well, that's what they did for hundreds of years, and they, they were just fine. Well, Go I ahead. think that we've seen better play <laughs> since then. But I, I, I think that putting players in better positions, I think numbers are better than at that than managers have been in recent years. I don't think there are many managers that can consistently 
put players in better situations than the numbers can, if that makes sense. A, a guy that you, I know, can't defend because you hate him, who does this all the time, is Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts acts on feel, and he's not very good at it, and the Dodgers would be much better without Dave Roberts. I think you and I would both agree. That's just my that's just my personal feelings towards Dave Roberts, but I I think we're we're just gonna agree to disagree on this one. Yeah, got got a little off track there. Do you want to get back to our our rate rankings and where you rank those four owner, GM, manager, and players in terms of importance to success and the team? I think yes, and I think as much as we argued over that specific area of managerial process, can we both agree? I think I'm gonna rank manager fourth. Yeah, as the least I, I was gonna, I was gonna go this because uh, manager always gets the heat for a team's play, but there's so many aspects. Yeah, we mentioned the owner, owner or the GM talking to him, the player is actually performing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I'm going with manager last. And you well. can have a bad manager with good players, a good owner, and a good GM. Look at Dave Roberts. He just won the World Series a couple of years ago. He's been in how many? I don't, I, I don't, I don't think Dave Roberts is a bad manager. I would consider him among the bottom half of managers. Wow. If, well, I if mean, bottom, not, bottom half, that's so many. That's if 15. not bottom, like third or worse. Okay. Okay. Well, we're not going to, we're not going to argue about okay, that. Okay. Either way, he, would you agree? Manager's he's a low loss. average manager. See, I can't, I can't really call someone who's gone to the world series. Would you call him an average manager? At, he can be a better, he can be a better manager in my opinion. There you go. That, that's and what I'll yet, go with. And yet the players, the GM and the owner, I think are all more responsible for the Dodgers success. And I think there's many cases of that in baseball that managers are not as, as important to the team success, because you can even have a good manager. I think you look at AJ Hinch in Detroit right now, his team absolutely sucks and there's really nothing he can do about it. And I think that while there are good managers out there and while there are bad managers out there as a whole, I think managers are often successful based on whether their team is successful or not. Um, And I don't think that there's much that they can do to uplift bad teams. And I I agree. We're we're going with managers last. And my third, I was going to go, I think I'm going to go players for number three. Wow. Okay. In terms of actual, like on for on field performance, I'm going with players. Number three. I think I, I was back and forth. Um, I think I'm going to go owners three because I know that the owners are really responsible for enabling. It's, it's so hard because if you have a bad owner, I think your franchise is pretty much doomed because there's like, yes, we've mentioned the Rays and the Brewers as teams that don't have the highest payrolls, but their owners are still like willing to make moves we saw the Rays offer Freddie Freeman a triple digit contract or I guess a what would that be a was it six figure con seven figure contract I mean, nine figure contract nah, nah, I don't know <laughs> yeah nine figure contract I think I was think it was a hundred hundred million dollar contract yes yeah, and like so there, there there are teams that are willing but if you have a, an owner that yeah, is specifically that, that... unwilling to make those moves there's nothing you can do about it that being said though I think that those owners are in the minority like they're eight or eight or less in, in the majors. So I think as long as you have an average plus manager or uh, owner, you're okay. So I think I'm going to put owner three. I think most of the stuff you just said uh, 
is evidence to why I put owners number two. So I, I won't repeat all of it. Like you said, a good owner raises the team the majority of the time and a bad owner will sink it the majority of the time. There's obviously outliers in both aspects. But I think an owner willing to give money and uh, w- willing to use money for contracts and picking the right GM and so forth, I think that, that makes them very important to a team's success. Yeah, uh, number two, I'm going to go players. I mean, like we mentioned, a lot of the determination of whether a team is successful or not comes from the actual team on the field. Players can really make or break a franchise. A GM can make the right moves and the players can just not perform or a manager can make the wrong decision, but the players perform and it all works out. If I think ownership and players aren't exactly, they don't go hand in hand quite as much, but I think players are very important um, because realistically bad players can hurt a good manager. Um, Good players can outperform, you know, bad front office. I think players are very important. I'm not going to go as far as with them number one, but I think number two, uh, they're pretty damn important to a team success. So I, I put I put players number three because of the the analytics, like we were talking about over over the career, they're going to perform a certain way, like they've proven, and then it's up to the manager to play them right right time and uh, GM to sign that guy. Because and I think when I think of pl- ranking player on field performance. I think it's whether they're playing well or playing poorly. And I think that's kind of just baseball in in a sense. And I think over their career, they're going to, the majority of the time they're going to play to a certain level. And that's on the more the GM and to choose that player and a manager to play them at the right time. So that's, that's why I went players number three. I I, I think the players are very important, obviously to a fan base. We, We didn't even mention that in the rankings. That's obviously very important to a team success as well. And in terms of like actual putting runs on the board, but, but I think when I think of ranking them, I think more of the highs and lows and like when a team doesn't perform as a whole or when a team performs above expectation, but I think the majority of the time it's at expectation. And I think that's on the GM and manager to, to create a team that, like that. Yeah. I think it's manager, pretty big gap. And then players and owners, really small gap. For me, I put players just above because, like I said, I, I, there are a minority amount of those bad apple owners in the league. Um, and then I think it's another sizable gap, and it's GM. I think GM is, in all sports, the most important part of a franchise because you can have everyone else making the, the right moves, but if the GM is not drafting the right players, putting the right players on the field, on the right 40-man roster, making the right trades, picking the right people to trade away – helping making other coaching decisions, the managerial hires, the team will not function unless you have a good GM. And I, I don't think we've really seen, we've seen examples where teams with, without great owners can, can get it done. Teams without good managers can get it done. Good, good managers, good front offices without good players. But I think even if you have a perfect other three owner, manager, players, if you don't have a good GM. I, I think as a franchise, you're kind of doomed. And I think that's, I think general manager is pretty squarely at number one for me. Yeah, GM's number one for sure. And I think one thing I'm going to backtrack a little bit, we didn't mention with the owners is, I mean, market size is very important. I, I mean, pe- people, I, people always say, I just want to get this point off. People always say like, oh, they're billionaires. They have the money. But at the end of the day, it is they are running a business, the owner is. And they, they at the end of the day, they want to be profitable. 
So they're all, they're not shelling out their own money that they've made from whatever their investments in the past or their business into this team. They're really using the money that the team makes and they're putting it back into the team. So I, I think market size plays a very important role in owners as well. And I, I honestly, obviously owners can use that money correctly to, to and, and choose the right play, uh, GM, et cetera. But I think market size is very important that we didn't mention, but I also don't think it's the, it's not the end all be all is what I'm trying to say, but it is very important as well in owners, but obviously GM is number one. I'm a big fan of GMs. I, I think it's fascinating finding the right guys. I mean, you mentioned the Anthopolis with the contract he gives out and choosing the right players. Like for, for example, the Dodgers wanted to go after Rendon, but they didn't go after him as much. And then, then the next off season they signed or they traded for Mookie like later that off season, then signed him instead to a big deal. And obviously Mookie's a little higher than Rendon now. So it, it's not just about giving the big money. It's about choosing the right guys to give the big money to. And yeah. I, I think that's a very important. And I think everything that the GM does is very important to a team's success. I agree. And so just to, to clarify, if you had to pick two of the four, like you could start a franchise with two of the four, you'd go with GM and owner. That's the, that's the, that's the reasoning behind me putting players at two. That's because I was like, if I were to start a team, I would yes, go I would. GM I, and players. I would do, I would do a GM and owners because the owner will. The GM can find the players. Is that. Yeah, exactly. I, I get that. Um, it's really close for me at two and three. And I think one and four kind of separate themselves, but let us know down if you're on, if you're watching on YouTube, what you guys think in the comment section. Um, I don't know. I'll let you hit the outro as your topic. Yeah, if, if you're on YouTube, comment, let us know what's the most important part and what you thought of this video and consider giving us a uh, like and subscribe. Follow us on our socials, Instagram, Twitter. Jack's doing a great series on Twitter of players performing above or below. Their stats suggest this season. I think today is going to be day four. We've done He's done three so far. Go follow the TikTok as well. TikTok's always important. I update that almost, almost daily with some new content about baseball and then some funny stuff as well. So make sure you follow that. You won't want to miss it. And if you're on Apple or Spotify, make sure you give us a like, leave us a five-star review, consider following the show. It'd really help us. And uh, yeah, we've been double play. Thank you for guys for listening or watching wherever you are. And uh, we'll see you next time.